The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Nance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and backroads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Always glad to have you along for the ride. Nathan Miller, our producer, is here. He'll make sure that we stay in our lane. We're going to revisit the Hollywood Museum, the place where, at least some of the time and in part of that wonderful, that glorious space, the cars are the stars. Among the film and TV cars on display in the Hollywood Museum are the 1981 DeLorean DMC-12 and Toyota SR5 pickup truck featured in Back to the Future. Also, the 1977 Pontiac Firebird Trans Am from Smokey and the Bandit, the 1959 Cadillac Miller Meteor Sentinel limo-style end-loader combination car. Huh? Well, referred to it as an ambulance conversion, it was used in the 1984 film, the blockbuster Ghostbusters. They have the Batmobile and the Bat Cycle used in the iconic TV series from the 1960s, as well as the famous Las Vegas disco ball mirrored Pinto, and so much more. The Hollywood Museum is our focus during this episode, and we're going to have the opportunity once again to interview Donnell Dadigan. She is the creative force behind the Hollywood Museum. That's American Road Trip Talk today. We'll get right to the interview after this. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and alert drops will stop it. Kids studying in college, drinking too much caffeine, overloading on these energy drinks, they end up in the hospital. Alert drops will stop it. What is alert drops? Alert drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, co-created with my uncle, Dr. Henry Heimlich, creator of the Heimlich Maneuver, who said, Anson, alert drops will save more lives than the maneuver. Whether you are driving, whether you're studying, whether you're just a tired mom, whenever you need to be alert, get alert drops. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. It's scientifically proven. It's doctor approved. Again, it's natural. It's been honored by the United States Congress. Go to alertdrops.com. Very important. Go to alertdrops.com and stay safe. Are we there yet? That's not a question you'll be hearing while cruising around Nevada. That's because here in the road trip capital of the USA, that old cliche about it being the journey that matters more is actually legit. In Nevada, you can kick back in a crowdless state or national park, gaze up at some of the nation's darkest, most star-studded skies, meander among the world's oldest living trees, have your breath stolen by the crystal clear waters of Lake Tahoe, All along the way, you will find the kinds of iconic, wide-open highways where road trip dreams are made. For insider tips about Nevada road trips and unexpected Silver State destinations, order your free Nevada magazine and visitor guide today at TravelNevada.com slash travel dash guides. Wondering what's on next on Alternative Talk 1150? Check out 1150kknw.com. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk. Find out what the weather is on your route, be that Route 66, any route you choose, with the Drive Weather app. It shows the forecast at each point on your route. Download Drive Weather today on the app or Play Store. 
We are so happy to talk once again with Donnell Dadigan, a native Californian. She is the chairperson for the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce slash Walk of Fame, chairperson for the Hollywood Trust, member of the California Senate Film Commission, president and co-founder of the Jose Iturbi Foundation, and she is the founder and president of the Hollywood Museum. Back with us again, Donnell Dadigan. We're so delighted to have you with us again, Donnell. Hey, how are you? Doing pretty well, and I have to say, I've got some pangs of regret because I stayed on the East Coast doing my summer travel, Donnell, when, doggone it, I could have been at the Hollywood Museum where you had spectacular goings-on with some famous autos. Oh, for sure. But, you know, it's an ongoing uh, activity for us. It's Every day it's like coming and discovering a new treasure here at the Hollywood Museum. Oh, it absolutely is. And when I say famous autos, I'm leaving out Otto Preminger, different spelling, different idea. But you have so much there. <laughs> Anybody with any interest there, be it formal, informal in Hollywood, is going to the right place when they go to the old Max Factor building, which now houses the Hollywood Museum. Thanks to you for the lion's share of all the creative work you've done in the administration as well. And I know that you have a great deal of help. That would be particularly true, Donnell, when, when you have star cars, so many of them on display. In fact, recently, and I was kicking myself that I couldn't be out there for this, there was an exhibit and a show. I believe you were one of the presenters giving out an award. Yes, you know, we had great autos, the car club. That's one of the largest, if not the largest, in California. And they came out and brought their cars, and we had celebrity judges that gave awards out. It was an exciting morning. And I don't know, you know, it was amazing to watch uh, all of the car collectors and then locals come out and look at the automobiles and to hear the stories from the owners of the cars and the stories from the celebrities who chose their favorites and gave awards out. It was so much fun, you know. You, you didn't know when to uh, uh, turn your head to look at something else because everything was so attractive but at the same time, you wanted to stay and hear the full story that you were listening to. But there was something else that you were looking at that was calling your attention. It was quite a morning, I have to say, and all in the center of Hollywood. All in the center of Hollywood. You wouldn't need any more reason, Donnell, to have an exhibit, a show, a contest of sorts like this. What was it that inspired all of you to, to put on this show and to make it such a gala at South Sounds like the kind of thing that would have been planned well in advance. Well, it was planned well in advance, and let me just share with you, not many people know it, but I am a car collector myself. I have a love for classic automobiles, and so many people in Los Angeles love their cars, and they have a special vintage car or collectible car or antique car or classic car somewhere in their garage. And maybe it comes out once every so often under perfect circumstances. So it was a lot of fun creating this. Oh, I have no doubt. And of course, um, it not only is L.A. and Admirons the home of Hollywood and its culture, but also car culture, road trip culture. There, it's, it's a mecca for all of that. And you were able to put on this special event. What sorts of cars were represented? And People who have yet to visit the Hollywood Museum, I regret to say I'm among them, but I'll fix that one of these days. When they go out there, what would someone like myself or any of our listeners likely encounter when they go looking for these famous cars that appeal so much, especially to us baby boomers? 
Well, you know, you mentioned uh, here in the museum we have the DeLorean time machine and, of course, Marty McFly's pickup truck. And, of course, we have the uh, Exomobile, which was in the Ghostbusters <laughs> franchise. And, of course, from TV, uh, the TV show The Batman from 1965 to 69, the original Batmobile and Batcycle. But, you know, we also have the Trans Am from Smokey and the Bandit. And we have Cary Grant's 1965 Rolls Royce Silver Cloud Three. Wow! And we, so we're we've always got a whole group of cars here at the museum, and so many people are surprised. How did you How did you get those cars up on the second floor, on the third floor of this building? But you know, um, I have to tell you, we have a freight elevator that Max Factor used. Uh, in the 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, and he used to put pickup trucks on those eleva- on the elevator and raise them to the upper floors where now we have our exhibit floors. They used to be the factory floors where Max Factory manufactured his cosmetics. And so these trucks would get on the elevator, they'd raise them floor by floor to the different factory levels, and uh, they would unload unfinished product, and then when the product was made, they would load finished product into the trucks, and then these trucks uh, on the elevator would come back down to the ground floor. They'd open up the big roll-up door in the back of the building, and these trucks would roll out into the back alley and the street and go off to deliver at Union Station or a local drugstore or a department store, all Max Factor's famous cosmetics. So I'm thrilled we have the elevator. It's still working, and it holds uh, 12,000 pounds. So Marilyn Monroe's limousine has been on it. The Ectomobile has been on it. All these great heavy cars have made their way on it. We even had, uh, let's see, Keen uh, Harlow's 16-cylinder Duesenberg Phaeton convertible. It was phenomenal from the 1930s. And it just fit in within, I think there may have been a two-inch uh, uh, empty space between the uh, closure of the elevator and the inside. Wow. These very special automobiles. Let me ask you, Donnell, how how does this acquisition process work? Somebody's got to be scouting. Somebody's got to be reading an ad somewhere or knows a guy. And all of a sudden you find out that Gene Harlow's car is available or, hey, you want the bat cycle? This sort of thing seems to be big enough and important enough in pop culture terms that there would be a lot of decision making and process around which cars to bring in and how to display them? Well, you know, that's a really good question. And I have to say, when we first got started with the museum, which was in the early 2000s, you know, we would uh, constantly reach out to the different studios, the celebrities, the producers, the uh, heirs to the celebrities, fan clubs, to see what we could come up with. But now we are so thrilled in that organizations, studios, production companies, fan clubs, the stars themselves, their people seek us out. And so it's just amazing what we hear about now. It's just overwhelming. I I mean, uh, there's never enough room for everything that we are offered nowadays. So uh, when you come to the museum, the museum is filled, filled with original costumes, props, memorabilia, star cars, you name it, we have it. Oh, I can well imagine, and part of me can't imagine because of the scale and uh, just the pure star power involved. I've got to see it for myself. I'm sure many of our listeners feel the same way. 
Is there, and this just occurred to me in the moment, Donnell, do you have a, do you have a sort of chronological display where if it's a Marilyn Monroe dress and she was in uh, this or that movie, her last film, The Misfits, for example, would that lead to a car that is connected to the film and the star so that you go through a progression when you visit what Tinseltown provided and how a movie was displayed from the set for all those choices that a director might make to suit a star and the plot of the film. Can you read through all that by visiting the museum, even to the point of the car itself? Well, that's another great question. And how we do our displays. Uh, we do them not chronologically, but we do them by film or by celebrity. And we enjoy doing a complete display, whether it's Marilyn Monroe, you know, or whether it's uh, 20th century superheroes, uh, or whether it's Hannibal Lecter's jail cell. Uh, everything that goes with each of those elements, or I should say each element that goes with uh, each of these displays is displayed together as part of it. So by the time you finish, let's say, looking at Hannibal Lecter's jail cell and all the costumes and the props and the memorabilia that go along with it, you have a very good idea of how it was made. Plus, there's text panels that explain that information. So it's a very thorough and comprehensive uh, instruction and guide to each of our exhibits. That's the way to do it. Just, I would love for the... 1984 Ghostbusters ambulance, that ambulance conversion they have. What did you just call it? The Ectomobile? Yes, it's an Ectomobile. That's worth the cost of admission right there. And it's very reasonably priced too, folks. But you go to the Ectomobile. How in the world did you get your hands on that? And what kind of shape was it in when you found it? Well, you know, uh, I have to say it's on loan to the museum. And we're thrilled to have it. And it is in very good condition. Uh, not perfect, perfect. How can it be, you know? Uh, right. And it was used in uh, part one and part two of the movie franchise. And we are thrilled to have it. And with it, to give you an example, not only are the special effects and the ghosts that appear, but also the costumes that all the stars wore. And at one point in time, we had the costumes from uh, Ghostbusters 1, 2, uh, the Ghostbusters with the ladies, and then the recent one, Afterlife. And so it's kind of fun to see how the costumes, you may think they're the same, but when you see them close up and in close proximity, you recognize the difference. You know, uh, with even the props, even the boots, uh, even the belt, everything uh close but not the same you have the eye for detail like somebody who runs a museum perfect <laughs> there you mentioned earlier you mentioned uh, we were talking about the 1981 delorean dmc 12 from back to the future and marty mcfly's pickup truck as well are these also on loan to the museum yes we are really thrilled to have them on loan uh earlier in the back to the future exhibit at one time we had the DeLorean from Back to the Future 1, and then we had the DeLorean from Back to the Future 3, and now we have the DeLorean from Back to the Future 2, along with Marty's pickup truck. 
Now, with these exhibits that you have, it makes me curious, Donnell, because uh, it's wonderful to have them on loan and people want to treat that as a time value experience. For example, the ones that you have there now, when do they go away? People are going to want to make their plans to come visit. How much longer do we have to come and see these automobiles all in one place? Uh, I would say, um, well, the Batmobile probably be leaving sometime in uh, early or mid-October, see about a month from now. But the others probably will be here uh, through the uh, end of the year, and then new exhibits will be coming in. And that's what I needed to ask you about, because if you have special exhibits, I understand that, you know, if they're on loan, they're going to go back to their owner. How do you arrange for special exhibits that include not only the ones on loan, but what cars are going to be there just about any time you would go as a permanent exhibit? It seems like there's some decision making around that because you're going to keep what you have in your possession and make it part of the whole museum experience, I would assume. Well, you know, it's a little bit different than that because we like to keep our museum exhibits fresh. We have so many locals here in Hollywood, whether they're locals who live here uh, or professionals who work here and live here. They love to come to the museum several times a year. We have some people uh, that live, it's called Hollywood Hills, some beautiful homes up here. And they love to come to the museum three, four times a year. Because as they say, there are certain exhibits like Max Factor's world-famous makeup rooms where Marilyn Monroe became a blonde, Lucille Ball got her red hair, and then the brunettes and the brownettes, the blondes, the redheads-only rooms. Uh, those are uh, permanent, uh, as is the historic photo gallery, because that denotes the historic element of the building, because the museum is located in the historic Max Factor building or Max Factor gave all the celebrities their looks. And so uh, some items, uh, some exhibits are permanent, but very few. I like to shake it up. I like where we are constantly changing the exhibit, so there's always something for someone to see that's new. Uh, many museums traditionally uh, change an exhibit several times, maybe a year, or have special exhibits a couple times a year. Uh, we're, it's a constant revolving door with this. Our collection is so vast that we're able to do this. Yes, you are able. You are able to do this, and you can be choosy, I'm quite sure. Maybe, Donnell, that would include some cars that are more famous for the shows in which they appeared, like some of the TV cars, rather more than their... Uh, merit as cars, which you could see, you know, if you go to a, a, an average car show, a, a big car show, a small car show, something like that might be the centerpiece. You know, I'm thinking of the General Lee from Dukes of Hazard is just one example. But if you take the, for example, that rattle trap that the Beverly Hillbillies drove around in, it's iconic because of the folks with whom it was associated and the concept of the show itself. Do you have things like that at the museum? Well, yes, the Beverly Hillbillies truck does come and go from the museum. It's been on display two different times here at the museum and may come back. Well, that's what we want to see. Yeah, that sort of thing. I mean, there's so many. You, you know, the thing is, Donnell, when, when you have a hit TV series or maybe one that had a short 
life on the screen i'm thinking of the green hornet the green hornet's car nevertheless was pretty cool and there was uh, bruce lee driving it at least in the show right as cato there you see the connections people make they have these we have these associations with the car and the people and the story even if the show itself didn't last very long i'll bet you that someone i don't know if it's ever graced the hollywood museum but that wonderful antique automobile from my mother the car somebody has to own that want to show it off well i couldn't agree with you more i mean the green hornet my mother the car chitty chitty bang bang these are all fabulous automobiles and you've now made me want to ask your listeners if any of you know where these cars are located or know the owners uh, please have them get in touch with us or get in touch with the show, and we would love to talk to them about displaying it at the world-famous Hollywood Museum here in Hollywood, California. You know what I would love to see when I go there? You know, this is just like trying to win the lottery, I suppose, because these items are so rare. I'd like to see that car that the monkeys drove around in. That was famous <laughs> unto itself. That was that was quite sporty. Wasn't it? That was spectacular. I mean, I remember that as a child. I thought, oh, my God, how wild is this? <laughs> yes, you and I go back. I remember when it was on television the first time around. Yes. <laughs> All of these wonderful automobiles to be seen. And because we have a little time left, tell us about some of the other displays, the things that uh, perhaps you have a, a personal pride in supervising because you were able to get them. A couple maybe tough finds where, yes, the Hollywood Museum brought these items where they belong. Well, you know, I think one of the exhibits that I so enjoy, and that's probably because they are personal friends uh, of the museum, uh, is the Pointer Sisters. And I am thrilled that we have their collection of costumes for 50 years of their performances, uh, along with their special videos, their gold records, their platinum records, all of their awards, uh, their appearances with so many of the different movie stars and on different TV shows, including The Carol Burnett Show, Flip Wilson. We can go down the list of all of them. I think that's one of the fun exhibits because you can't help but come and go into that gallery and once you hear the music and see the costumes, it puts such a smile on your face. And I love that. I just love it. You know, and another one of our exhibits that everybody seems to enjoy is our historic photo gallery. It used to originally be the hair department for Max Factor, where all the movie stars came and they would try their wigs on or they would have their hair uh, designed to a certain style and they would be putting pieces in it uh, and, and adding pieces to the hair. Uh, it's now our historic photo gallery that features more than a thousand vintage black and white photos, not only of the movie stars that Max Factor uh, worked on and created, but also how the community grew because of this entertainment industry. You know, um, I love the fact that here in Hollywood, once upon a time, it was just open fields. And where we are located at the intersection of Hollywood Boulevard and Highland Avenue used to be open space with weeds growing everywhere. There wasn't even a street or an intersection. Uh, but uh, and that was just a little more, you know, than than a hundred years ago. It's kind of it's shocking to think about that. Uh, and of course, we've got part of the original Hollywood sign. People love to see that, complete with graffiti and bullet holes. If you can imagine the airplane that crash lands in Jurassic Park, all the Planet of the Apes, the different franchises of that film, 
uh, grouping uh, all the different costumes as well as Star Trek and Star Wars. And then um, I think what's fun is that we have 100 years uh, that we showcase of costumes from famous films, whether it's from Mary Pickford, you know, all the way to the films of today. And that is a constant rotating exhibit. And you do it so elegantly. You have a wonderful reputation for that. And let's get down to it, Donnell. There is money to be made, though I take it in the case of the Hollywood Museum, that is secondary to what you present to the public because this is a labor of love. And there is a lot of love for nostalgia. That's one of the key elements in your success. That's what I'm thinking. Well, you know, I, I appreciate you saying that, and I, and I think that you're right. I mean, uh, we created the museum. My mother and I together wanted to do something to give back to the Hollywood community, like a love letter. And we wanted to do something where uh, locals and professionals and tourists alike could come and see where the humble beginnings of Hollywood's entertainment industry got started, how it got started uh, with these wonderful vintage black and white photos that show uh, the Hollywood studios very simply. They may have been uh, a series of one-story huts to begin with uh, and how they grew into these big behemoth studios beyond belief and comprehension. But, you know, like all museums, uh, uh, to open a museum, to be a bona fide museum, it is a labor of love. And we are thrilled that we're able to showcase the beginnings of Hollywood from the early 1900s all the way till today. And you do it so, so well. People have raved about the Hollywood Museum. I'm going to go find out for myself. If anyone is planning a trip out to Hollywood and wants to visit, please tell them where they can find the Hollywood Museum online. Oh, it's so easy. Online, our uh, website is www.thehollywoodmuseum.com on uh Twitter and Instagram, it is at the Hollywood Museum and at Hollywood Museum. We really enjoy a great following with social media, and I so appreciate the time we've had together today. My pleasure, our pleasure. Donnell Dadigan, we'll do this again. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning into American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road. 